This is a podcast from Minute Media. Sox fans, here are the Bastards of Boston Baseball. Hello everyone and welcome to another hot stove edition of Red Sox Baseball on the Bastards of Boston. Big news of the day, Eduardo Rodriguez rejects the one-year $18.4 million qualifying offer for the Red Sox. He is officially on the open market. Anybody can sign him. They will have to give the Red Sox a compensation draft pick, usually somewhere at the end or beginning of the second round. So the Red Sox will get something if they don't, in fact, Resign him. They there was reports of a, of a multi year offer last week as well that the Red Sox gave to Rodriguez during the GM meetings. This is an extremely loaded topic. Uh, we've talked about it in recent shows, but we have a lot more clarity now on how things can play out. So we will be getting into that. Be a little bit of Nathan Avaldi talk as well, and perhaps some Carlos Correa talk. Um, at towards the end, if we have time. So, joining me this episode, Jason Kelly, Andrew Dwan. How are you guys? I'm good. I, uh, you know, as much as I love like the World Series and, and all of that, MLB offseason, I think, is one of the best times ever. Um, especially right now when it's like before everything really ramps up and there's still negotiations going on. So, this is a fun time, especially for this team with a lot of question marks around it. So this is a good time. Yeah, and the GM meetings are, were a lot more fun this year than they have been in years past. Usually it's absolute nothingness, but Boris did his annual, like, I, I don't even know how to describe what he, that he was. He holds his, his, his one, Yeah, his one-man play. <laughs> I would pay a million dollars to be the fly on the wall while he rehearses that in his hotel room. But it, it, yeah, so we got some news out of that, which is fun. Um, God knows that this can be owners' meetings, but we got plenty of stuff uh, that came out in the last week that definitely wet our whistle there. Yeah, I'll have to look it up. Typically, the win- uh, the actual winter meetings where a lot of the action does go down is in uh, December, but if that happens this year, that's after the um, the expiration of the CBA, and there'll probably be a lockout for a little while. And According to Rosenthal, Ken Rosenthal, there might not be many signings until February. They're saying February 1st is the true expiration of uh, the the CBA. Like if a deal isn't done by then, it's pretty, things are going to be pretty intense. And then the season, at least the start of the season could be in question because uh, spring training won't open two weeks later if, uh, if it's not done. So we'll get into it. Uh, Andrew, we'll lead off with you. Um, 
did you expect Erod to opt out? Was that the feeling you had? And and what's your reaction to the the news that just broke? Yeah, I, I mean, I wasn't too surprised that he turned it down. Obviously, like you had mentioned earlier, they're working on an extension for him. Um, so hopefully this is a sign that they've had some talks. And even if it's not, we know from reports from Morosi and Heyman, guys like that, there's a lot of teams interested in him. And why wouldn't there be? He's, you know, he's under 30, not a whole lot of mileage on that arm. All of his injuries have been non-arm related, which that's a blessing for him. And Artie Moreno, I, that's, that is where I think he's going. I think he ends up in LA. I think Artie Moreno wants to get something done. He's not worried about spending money. Clock's ticking on his core there. I, that is who I see being the Red Sox biggest competition when it comes to sign uh, Eddie back here. Jason. I was actually surprised that he turned on the QO. Um, because again, as Andrew mentioned, like, sure, he's had a lot of injuries. Granted, they haven't been arm related, but they've been concerning. He's had knee injuries, he's had the myocarditis. Like, this is a guy who's twenty eight years old, approaching twenty nine, but if I'm a GM, I'm looking at him going, You're more like thirty three, thirty four in real years if we're talking like how much longer can you get out of him so um i'm a little surprised i think this is good for the red sox because at the worst like okay if he turns on the offer you're okay like it's it's not the the end of the world that being said the red sox pitching depth is not what i want it to be at this moment um if eduardo rodriguez was turning down this offer and the red sox had you know, at least two guys in their system that you could call up and say, okay, one of them might be ready. Sure. Okay. I'm okay with that. The Red Sox don't, they, they don't have a guy right now that you can call up and say, yep, he's ready to slot into the major league rotation and he can pitch 150 to 180 innings a year and he can provide you some wins because let's face it, this is always going to be a team that wants to compete this is never going to be a team that's looking to rebuild, especially with JD opting back in. Like you're looking at a team that wants to make another run at it. And Eduardo Rodriguez, as much as I've been critical of him throughout this last season, like he's a big part of that. So um, I'm a little concerned about him turning down the offer. Um, I hope the Red Sox don't overextend for him. I'll say that as well. Like given, you know, their lack of depth is a concern, but don't outbid the angels or anyone else stupid for this guy. Like, look, he was good. You got a lot more out of him than I thought, but I hope they don't go crazy. Let's, let's, you know, let's not overextend ourselves for Eduardo Rodriguez because he was really good for a couple of years. I think he's kind of tailed off the health concerns. You know, they're a major issue for me. So I'm curious to see what his free agent market will be because I agree with Andrew. Like I could see some team like the Angels or anyone else that just is desperate to fill out their rotation overpaying for this guy. So I don't want the Red Sox to do that either. I think the Tigers are uh, a very possible landing spot for him as well. Um. Uh, my take's going to be a little hot on this uh, before I get into that. The Red Sox projected payroll, according to my calculations, about $177 million if he doesn't come back. 
Um, so a little bit of money to spend, but here's, here's where I'm coming from here. I've said on recent shows and Jason just touched on it. We don't know what Tanner Houck is. I'm still somewhat optimistic. He, they will figure him out to be a bona fide starting pitcher, but if it doesn't work out, he's going to the pen and that's one less guy you can count on. There was a lot of Garrett Whitlock talk for the rotation in 2022. Suddenly, he started having trouble getting out of one inning in in big spots, in big high-leverage spots in in the last month and a half or so. So my optimism on that has taken a little bit of a hit. 90-mile-an-hour Connor Siebold, no thank you. Josh Winkowski, clearly not ready yet. Brian Bellow is what? A year or two out at the at the very least we have no starting pitching depth all the depth we have is probably going to the bullpen so during the season I wasn't I I wasn't too I didn't feel a ton of urgency to, to bring him back a year ago I was saying yeah extend him now because he'll be cheap and he'll probably take it and he wasn't approached as far as I know. And here we are. We're a little bit undergunned. Not the greatest pitching market. And Hein Bloom has found himself on the wrong side of leverage with, with Eduardo Rodriguez. He's going to find himself on the wrong side of that with Rafael Devers, who's going to get well above 300, I think, which might not have been the case a year ago. So I just... I'm a little annoyed. Is this John Lester level botching? No, this isn't that. But the the Red Sox aren't in a good position uh, next year, at least for the moment. So one other observation, we, we you guys can weigh in on what I just said. You can weigh on this next thing. This got rejected last week, and we're finding out about it tonight. And... I don't know if the multi-year offer was a response to Rodriguez rejecting it. I'd be curious to know the timeline. I mean, the Red Sox are like North Korea when it comes to tightly held secrets. We, we just don't know. We, we would need to plant a CIA guy in that front office to, to figure out what the hell is going on. So I'm just kind of curious to the timeline. But if the Red Sox are going to bring him back, they're going to have to pay him the, the most money. Actually, react to that, and I, I've got one other take beyond this. But Well, I mean, they were kind of – they were in a tough spot with Erod. They couldn't give him an extension before the season. I mean, this was a guy coming off myocarditis, and I don't think anyone has ever – come back from had to come back from that in major league baseball history like that you know it's not like a tommy john surgery you know you're not like all right well he's a year moved he's gonna be fine they they had no idea what his strength was gonna be if he still had strength what his condition would be uh so they were really behind the you know the eight ball there and they did offer him an extension when he was at his lowest point uh, kind of, they did what they did to Josh Beckett back in the day when they got that team friendly extension. Um, they offered him one the same time they gave one to Barnes and it would have been great if he took it quite frankly, because I guarantee it's probably like $40 million less than what he's going to get now. 
Um, I know it, it was a tough situation for a guy that, you know, he's been in your organization this whole time. They did, they've done a terrible job. It's just a terrible job drafting and developing um, any semblance of a starting pitcher. I, the last decent one was clay, right? Uh, clay. Yeah. 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 yeah I, I mean, you had guys that make spot starts here and there, like a Brian Johnson, but every other first round pick that they drafted for pitchers, if they made the majors, it was a reliever. They turned into a reliever. So they, they've completely dropped the ball on that. Uh, so that's previous regimes, just kicking the can of crap down the road to this team, which sucks. But I, yeah, I'm very curious of what the talks with Erod are now and how far they even got. Cause he might've said, I, I just want to test the market. And I wouldn't be surprised by that. One thing real quick, though, he had some good pitching performances in spring training. So that would have been fine, I think, at the end of spring training. I mean, he had passed all the physicals, had a couple of good outings. I think he got a later start because he had a, a bicep thing or something. He had some minor injury that, that set him back. or Maybe it was dead arm, actually. But Yeah, he had that dead arm right at the end there. He he looked he looked okay, though, in, in a couple of starts, and, and he was fine throughout the month of April and then fell off the cliff at, at some point, I think, in late May. But I still I, – I don't think the risk was super high uh, as far as extending him, you know. If they tried to do it in January without seeing the spring training stuff, then, yeah, that, that would have been risky, but – Anyway, Jason, go ahead. Yeah, keep in mind, this ownership group uh, is always late on extending guys. They wait until the absolute minute. Um, They were late on Mookie. That's why he lost Mookie, because they played around with that, and they gave him some crap offers. And granted, I think that Mookie asked for a little too much, but that's why they lost him. Um, I think that Eduardo Rodriguez played this very well. And that he looked at him and his agent, which is, I think he's a Boris guy, right? No. So they, no, he's not a Boris guy anymore? No. no. Okay. So whoever his agent is, they, they looked at the Red Sox pitching depth and they said, they don't have much. They don't have much. Like, it, it, who are they going to call up to replace you? No one. So, <laughs> I mean, like, seriously, that that's what it comes down to. Eduardo meets with his agent and goes, well... They're offering me the QO, like, should I take it? And his agent goes, no. Like, they have no one in their system. Why would you take that? You can get more on the open market. Um, so I think Rodriguez played this really well, and I think, once again, Red Sox ownership and the brass there was a little too late because I agree with you guys. They probably should have offered him an extension after spring training or they should have really made a strong push for him after spring training or early, midway through the season. And they didn't. They they were slow on it. Um, again, this ownership group, they just they love talented players. They love, you know, really good players, but they don't love to overextend themselves. This is gonna become a problem with Devers too. Like all the people crying for an extension for Devers, watch out. That's gonna become a battle. It shouldn't become a battle. It should be an automatic. Like, yeah, we've got a superstar player, let's lock him up. This ownership group is not like that, and they're going to drag their feet on it. So I feel like this is what happened with Eduardo. They dragged their feet on it. They took too long, and now he's a starting pitcher, a left-handed starting pitcher under the age of 30, 
who, yeah, sure, he's had some health problems, as I acknowledged in the last segment, but he's still, he's out there. He's out there, and his, his services are available, and he just turned down the Red Sox offer. So he's telling the open market, hey, I'm here, but I want at least, you know, more than the qualifying offer. I want a multi-year deal. And there are markets out there, there are baseball markets out there that want starting pitching. And they're desperate for starting pitching. And the Red Sox should be one of those, by the way. Like, as much as they don't want to admit it, the Red Sox are desperate for starting pitching. Because, again, as we said, their starting pitching depth is not good. But they'll never admit that. Right, because it's it's just part of how they operate, which is super annoying. But um, some team out there that doesn't have a problem admitting that they need starting pitching is going to reach out to Rodriguez and say, "Hey, we're willing to give you three, four years at this amount of money. Do you want to take it?" And he'll take it. The Angels are a great example. Like they'll offer him more than top dollar to be a part of the starting rotation, and he'll take it. And the Red Sox will lose out. So um, I don't like the way this is going for the Red Sox. I feel like they're going to lose him. Um, they shouldn't have. And it's frustrating because, like I said, I, I was not a fan of bringing him back with all of his ancillary health problems. But you know what? When I look at the starting pitching depth, it's bad. It's not good. And you've already lost out on Schwarber. You're going to lose out on this guy too. Like, how much more opportunities are you going to lose out on in this off season? So um, it's not looking good for sure. Do, do we have an agreement though, that he is replaceable by signing like Discalfani or in an Alex Cobb or Discalfani and another guy? Cause I, I do think that replacing your three in this market, maybe not another year, but in this market can be done. So I, I agree with that. I agree with the premise that Eduardo Rodriguez is not an ace and he shouldn't be treated as such. And um, can you replace him with a guy like Discolafani? Sure. I worry about guys like that, though, because, what, he had one good year in San Francisco? He was kind of an underperformer in Cincinnati? Like, and Alex Cobb? Please. <laughs> I, I don't want it like I don't want Alex Cobb back in the A at least. Like no, I, I don't want that. Now, if you bring back Di Slafani and you put some other pieces around that, maybe. It's it's tough because Eduardo is like such a Jekyll and Hyde pitcher. Like there are times where he really can look like he's a number two close to an ace. And then there are other times where you're like, why are we bothering with this guy? Like he's he's a waste. He, he does, he's not what he used to be. So it's tough. And the starting pitching free agent market is not all that robust, especially since let's face it, you're not going to go out and get Scherzer or any big names. If you get Discolafani, okay, yeah, that that softens the, the blow a little bit. How much are you paying him though? And again, this is a guy who was in the National League his whole career. He had one good year with the Giants, and you're going to bring him to Boston to face the Yankees and all these other tough lineups, the Blue Jays. Like, I don't, I don't love that. So, as much as I'm annoyed about potentially losing Rodriguez, I don't think that it's like 
snap your fingers and okay, we can replace him with just anyone on the free agent market. I think it's a little bit tougher than that. So this is why I think the Red Sox are in a tough position because they're probably going to lose him. And I don't know if anything, any move they make is going to be equal to that. One guy that gets mentioned. Well, let me mention D. Scalfani. I wasn't crazy about that until I kind of dug in a little bit, but he's kind of on the Rick Porcello program where every other year is good. He is coming off a good year. 317 ERA, 31 starts, by the way. Uh, 2020, not great, um, but, you know, 2020. That was a 722 ERA. He had a similar ERA to this year in 2019, 389, 2016, 328. Jason makes a good point. Pitched in the National League his whole life. What's the AL East going to do to a guy like that? But if the money isn't ridiculous, I would still take a flyer. And just for the record, I probably would have wanted one more pitcher aside from Erod had we brought him back. So now we kind of need two. I mean, can you get away with one if the stars align? Yes, you could, but we'll get into that. One name that did get brought up last week, and I think it's there might be something to it, is Steven Matz because he's a lefty. And as of this very moment, your only lefty is Chris Sale. So you're probably going to target a lefty. So I think the Red Sox are going to be in on him. He's only had really, what, a couple good seasons. And I'm not I'm not high on him. I'd be very disappointing. And I would be extremely disappointing if that's the only move you make. If that's the only addition you make is Steven Matz. I think we're we're coming into 2022 about where we were in 2021. I don't think we're infinitely better this year if if Steven Matz is our only is our only addition. I really don't. And I mean Chris Sale, I, maybe I'm the most pessimistic guy on the show, but he can't get guys out. He just can't do it. He hasn't been able to finish guys off since August of 2018. And he still pitched pretty healthy for a year beyond that. So uh, Nathan Navaldi, is he is he going to stay healthy again after pitching 200-something innings plus whatever he pitched in the postseason, which was quite a bit? I, I, I'm taking nothing for granted. I'm taking absolutely nothing for granted. I liked what Nick Pavetta did in the postseason, but we're going to have a conversation or two next year about whether or not he should go in the bullpen. Whether he does or not, that's a totally different thing. But he's he's going to fall off some cliffs, I think. And so I'm just – I'm pretty pessimistic here. Unless something unforeseen happens, uh, you know, uh, an under-the-radar trade maybe, I, I guess we can't rule that out, and, and then maybe I'll calm down a little bit if that's the route that they take. But Well, we do know a couple teams are open for business. The Reds in the uh, in the A's in the A's have three guys that are more than capable of filling in for a year. Uh, Minaya Bassett and Montas would cost way too much to reacquire him, but and those are definitely three targets. But let me throw a name out there: Um, one guy that didn't get the QO, and I've seen a few people, just a handful of people, you know, link him as a prediction, Carlos Rodon on a one-year um, 
offer as kind of a prove it deal. I the, I saw like twenty five million dollars thrown out there. That that would probably I would be pretty happy with that with that lottery ticket. Blow up in their face, but that that's just one of those ones where. If it works out, it works out great, and you're probably going deep in the playoffs. If it blows up, I think it's about a 60-40 chance, but I, that that's something I'd like to see them at least entertain. Now, is he definitely only going to get a one-year deal? Because I'm not sold on that. I think it's going to be at least two or three. Uh, I don't – I mean – He's got so many questions. I don't know if he's get. Maybe he gets that two or three, but the AAV isn't what he wants. So maybe he takes higher off one year and gambles on himself. I yeah. I, he he's got so many directions he can go in. Uh, just with how he's been treated throughout his entire career. I actually I love the idea of Rodon. Um, I think Rodon. I don't look at him as damaged goods. I I think that he's he proved this year that he's kind of back he's not all the way back to what he was but he's still pretty young and as andrew said he has so many directions he can go in like the Red Sox could offer him like a two-year deal with a player option and say okay you know like if you pitch well year one then you get to choose your direction year two um grant that wouldn't benefit them but maybe that's what gets him to land in boston because other teams might be trying to lock him in to multi-year deals where you know it's it's not as player friendly um i like the idea of rodon i you know i think that the the need for a left-hander is big for this team because i chris sale like i just don't know how much more you're gonna get out of him and and i hope that you get a full healthy season out of him next year but who knows like the way this goes, like it, you just you can't predict that. And like, like I said, the Red Sox pitching depth is not very good. One guy I was looking into, and he, he didn't. I guess he didn't pitch this year. Was Noah Song, who I heard all this stuff about, like this twenty-four-year-old right-hander, who I guess went into the military. Like he he was at one point the Red Sox were high on him. Like he at one point I think guys were considering him above Brian Mata for next pitching prospect, but again, 24 years old and he hasn't been around. So that's kind of what you're looking at here. Like you're looking at either is Garrett Whitlock ready to be stretched out, which I don't think the Red Sox want to do that. Or are you looking at guys like Noah Song and Brian Mata, you know, or Connor Siebold, who we've mentioned, who, you know, is 25 going on 26, who's never really made it in the minor leagues, let alone the big leagues. So if you're looking at a guy like Carlos Rodon, if he wants a little bit more than Erod, but he's willing to take a shorter deal, I'm okay with that. I'd take him on a one or two year deal. That's fine, but I'm just skeptical on whether or not that that could get done. And quite frankly, I'm shocked that he didn't get the qualifying offer. I'm wondering if perhaps maybe. Chicago's short-term contract situation might have played into that, and they just didn't want to cough that up. But um, we'll we'll see how his market develops. Another guy I like, he's a righty, though, uh, Kevin Gosman. I'd give definitely a four-year deal to, um, and, and he might get a fifth anyway, but um, another guy I'm interested in. Real quick, because I, I meant to bring it up, with Erod, this this played a factor. I'm totally convinced this played a factor. 
No other player has been Alex Cora's punching bag more than Eduardo Rodriguez. He hasn't been more savage with any other Red Sox player than he has Rodriguez in post-game press conferences. Um, I don't think Rodriguez appreciated the tongue lashing he got for the, the Carlos Correa thing in the playoffs when he pointed to his wrist, walked back to the dugout. I don't think he appreciated that either. Not saying I'm not saying any of this is a major factor, but I, I I think it made him not hate the idea of possibly pitching someplace else. So I, I'll go that far with it. But I think it might have bit the Red Sox. Um, any other thoughts on pitching? Any other ideas? No, the the only thing I was going to bring up about uh, you mentioned the tongue lashing that Rodriguez got. So there was a theory that was brought up, and, and I didn't think of it until now. But do you think that maybe Cora got annoyed with Rodriguez because it was directed what Rodriguez was doing was directed towards Correa, and maybe Cora had been talking with Correa before then about, hey, we know that you're up, we know that you don't want to play in Houston anymore. And maybe there was like a, a direction towards the future of offseason talks. Like, let's face it, these guys talk whether Major League Baseball wants them to or not. So do you think maybe Cora was annoyed going, hey, don't don't mock him because he might be your teammate or we might want to bring him like in the offseason after this is all done? Like, I don't know. It was a theory that was brought up. I, I find it interesting because I do think that Cora is still close with a lot of guys that he coached back in Houston. I'm sure he's close with Correa. Um, we all know that Correa is probably gone in Houston. He's not going back. So I just wondered if that was part of it. That's all. Andrew? No, I I don't – I personally don't think that's the case. I think it was uh, not poking the bear situation – and I mean that offense definitely woke up. I just I think he didn't want to tempt fate. He's definitely been hard on Erod. I think he believes in Erod um, a lot more than sometimes Erod believes in himself. Quite frankly, and we've seen him leave him in big situations uh, back in the Dodgers World Series. Um, he he trusts and believes in the pitcher that Erod can be, and maybe hasn't always lived up to. Uh, th that's why I think he's tough on him. I think it's just kind of like a dad giving him tough love. I don't think it's any sort of malice or contempt for the player himself. I think he just holds him to a higher standard. Well, he, the only other time I've seen him get on anybody is Devers. If he's going through a bad defense spell, then he, he kind of, he'll roast him a little bit in the media, but you don't really see it with anyone else. I mean, he didn't, he, he wasn't particularly brutal with Perez when he probably could have been at, at various points in the second half. Uh, I think he was pretty soft with Garrett Richards, although Richards himself was, was hard on himself anyway. But I just, I don't know. And it's an interesting observation, Jason, because I, I don't know if I have the timeline 100% correct here, but I think Alex Cora actually interviewed with the Red Sox, or perhaps he might have just had his interview scheduled with the Red Sox in the middle of the playoff run in 2017 with the Astros. And he even said that he was in his hotel room taking notes about the Red Sox, looking at what 
2018, because that was the next season, might look like with him managing it. And he was writing notes about it. He left his notes in his hotel room, put on his Astros ball cap, went and did his bench coach job. I, I'm not saying I have a problem with that, but, but you know, maybe conversations do happen. Do you think, do you think Carlos Correa's number is in Alex Cora's phone right now? I think they text. They probably do, probably more so in the off season. But, but absolutely. But yeah. yeah, there could just be comments. Hey, man, it'd be cool. Red Sox shortstop, twenty twenty two. So let, let's talk about that a little bit because um, Jim Bowden uh, of the Athletic covers the Red Sox said that a former GM came up to him and and heard through sources that the Red Sox might make a quiet play. That's was the exact words, a quiet play for Carlos Correa or Marcus Simeon in 2022. And wouldn't be shocked if the Red Sox land one of those two players. So, uh, Andrew, go ahead. Thoughts on that? I mean, they absolutely should be interested in either of them. Uh, probably Correa more than Simeon. Uh, they tried to make it happen with Simeon last year, and they just couldn't agree on a number. And <laughs> good job, Oakland. You guys blew that one. But I don't know. I I like Correa. I, I've always had kind of a player's crush on Carlos Correa. I thought, you know, he, you know what you're going to get when he's healthy. He's one of the best defensive shortstops. His arm is never a question mark, so you don't have to worry about any sort of range issues with him, uh, getting the balls, making the throws, which I think would really help a lot of the pitchers in Boston if they knew that left side was going to, make some plays because it hasn't it hasn't in years quite frankly and as far as Simeon's concerned I think he's gonna be priced out I think he's gonna want 30 million probably settle a little lower than that but I can see like a team like Seattle or someone making a big push for him he's older than Correa too if you're gonna blow all that money give it to Carlos Correa uh he fills so many needs and timelines with this team because God willing that Marcelo Meyer turns into what we think he could. That's four, four and a half, five years down the road. Uh, his kid's barely 18. You could then move Correa over to second or over to third, and then Marcelo comes in, and maybe that ends right when a Xander potential extension, if they bought out his uh, opt-out ends, you know? There, there's a lot of moving parts. It would, it would be kind of... Hard to pull it all off, but I think that they could make a very detailed timeline that would fit into their budget uh, workout with you having arguably one of the greatest infields ever assembled uh, playing in Boston. Yeah, I'm. I want them to go out to Correa, assuming that Bogarts and that he's okay with going to second, because we've heard reports of this that he's going to move to second base. And he just wants to he wants to stay in Boston. He's okay with going to second. If that's the case, fine. Go after Correa. Because I agree. I, Simeon to me, like he's a little bit too pricey. And I don't know. I I feel like Simeon is is, you know, a two year massive production player, and then he's just gonna drop off the table after that. Um, I feel like Correa can give you a lot more years of good production solid production at, at shortstop and he's a perfect perfect stopgap 
until mayor is ready. If, if this Marcelo mayor is everything we hear about, then in the next four to five years, he's going to be major league ready. He's going to be your, whatever you want to call it, Ozzy Albies, like Dansby Swanson, whatever you want to call it, he's going to be that. And that'll work out perfectly because Correa will be over Asia at that point. You can slide him right in. Um, but this all depends on Bogarts because I just don't know. I'm not convinced that Bogarts is like, yeah, no, I'm good to go into second base. I'm perfectly good with that. Like, I don't know. There's rumors of him opting out. Like, there's rumors of him wanting more money. Like, is he really going to move to second base and then sign a new contract as a second baseman? Like, I don't see that happening. Maybe maybe this spells the end of Xander Bogarts in Boston. Like, maybe we just have to be okay with that. But I would love for the Red Sox to make a push for Carlos Correa. I think that he's exactly the kind of guy this team needs because I've said it before, this team does not have a vocal up-at-the-front kind of leader. And as much as we all got annoyed with Carlos Correa at times, he's exactly that kind of guy. He's a leader. He's he's a vocal leader. He was a leader for that Astros team. They just fell short. Um, I think that he's the perfect kind of guy. So would I love to have him on a multi-year deal at shortstop? Absolutely. Because, again, like, who's the leader of this Red Sox team? It can't be Chris Sale. Like, I'm sorry. It can't be a guy who's you can't rely on to be out there on the mound every five days. As far as your offense, it's not Bogarts. He's too quiet. It's not Devers. He's too young. So if you bring in Carlos Correa, him and Cora together, I think that forms a really good leadership bond. Um, you know, you combine that with the overall just raw talent that Correa brings, I'm all for it. So I'm a big fan of going after Carlos Correa. I'm a hard no on Correa. I know Charlie is. I don't know where Job stands, but um, 2020, I mean, that was a short season, 58 games. So he missed, what, two, I think. Uh, but then go back to 2019, his age 24 season, only 75 games. Season before that, age 23, 110 games. Age 22 season in 2017, 109 games. He made the all-star team, so whatever the injury was must have been in the second half. He's projected to get a, a 10-year, $300 million deal. So with injuries in his age 22 through 24 seasons, what does age 33 through 37 look like? I just, I think Nick York is close enough especially where you're going to have Xander for another year anyway. Jeter Downs should be ready no later than the All-Star break. I just I, I just would hate to spend that money. You're going to need that money in, in the coming seasons to do other things with. I would stay away from him uh, uh, on that money. I really would. So the, the money is a concern, I agree, but... The depth at middle infield is a concern, too, because I'm not sure Jeter Downs can play at the major league level. Like, he Fair. struggled at AAA this year. Uh, he really struggled. Like, they they were very high on him. They moved him to AAA, and he didn't hit. And this is at Worcester, where even Jaron Duran looked like Mil Willie Mays at one point. Like, 
he was hitting the ball out of the field, left, right, and like Jeter Downs couldn't do it. And Nick York is what, 18, 19 years old? He's he's very young. Like I I worry that they're putting too much in Jeter Downs and Nick York that and don't get me wrong, the money with Correa is concerned because do I want to pay him 10 years, 300 plus million? No, not quite. Nope. I didn't want to do it to Mookie. I don't want to do it for Correa, but I don't, I'm not convinced that Downs and York are going to be the answer. So that's kind of where I'm like, if Correa is willing to take six years, seven years even, I might consider it. Oh, I don't think yeah, that's and he, <laughs> I, You know, I was, I was running the numbers the other day and they actually could make it happen with the money. Um, including a Xander extension uh, easily for the next five years. Because what we're so used to at, for the last 20 years, is the Red Sox spending their money pretty much in the outfield. A lot of their assets have been allocated to the outfield. And you can switch that up. You can give your all that money to your infielders. You can give Devers $30 million. You can give Correa 30 Xander 25 You're at 85 right there. And then you have Tristan Cassis making pennies. He's making 500000 Nick York, he can project into left field. MLB Pipeline said that might even be the best uh, fit for him down the road. So there's, you know, two guys making less than a million dollars. And then you're bringing your average salaries down significantly. If you go out and sign a guy like Sai Suzuki and he works out for, you know, four years, 40, five years, 50, there's 10 million. You're you can push these numbers down to make them what you need them to be when to average your cost out across the board. And I mean, it's just something the Red Sox haven't done. They haven't spent that money. Um, but like a team like the Astros has, uh, they, you know, that the high price infield, we're going to see it in Toronto. We're going to see a high price infield. Obviously, Springer in the outfield is going to be an outlier, but they can make the dollars work when they spread it out. Um, amongst the right players that's that's the key is giving it to the right guys and not having uh, big dead salaries um, elsewhere two things um nick york finished the year in high a greenville so that tells me portland at some point this year if he crushes it maybe Pawtucket, and then perhaps halfway through 2023 he comes up that that's probably a little optimistic but He's flying through the system regardless. He's he's moving right along. And um, if we're going to spend on a middle infielder this year, I'm a value guy. That's how I've always been. I've been that way my entire tenure since the inception of this podcast. If Trevor Story's only projected to get a five-year deal, that's my guy. That's who I want for that money. Because you trade him in three years, perhaps, if he's productive. If you are if you really do want that Nick York and Jeter Downs infield. And I, I'm, I'm a skeptic on, on Downs, but but he did he did close out the season well. I guess they worked on some stuff and, you know, mechanically and, and figured something out. Um, so we'll see. He's going to have a spring training invite, and, and we'll go from there. But... Again, I'm just not a Correa guy. I'm an extreme pessimist. You see what's going on with George Springer right now with Toronto. And I think it's going to be similar with Correa in his 30s. 
Yeah, and I'm I'm not high on this Saye Suzuki. Um, so I I because I heard Tony Maserati mention him before, and I just when Shohei Otani, everyone brings up Otani. Otani's a unicorn, so forget him. Like, who's the last batter to come from either Japan or Korea that actually worked out? Hideki like, Matsui is the one. Hideki Matsui, <laughs> right. It's been so long. Like, Terry, you know, as a Brewers fan, like, Keeson Hiroa, he didn't work out. They sent him down to AAA at one point because right. he couldn't hit. Um, Baltimore brought in that, um, what's his name? Like, Sun Yu Kim, who yeah. everyone said, like, oh, he's going to hit, he's guaranteed 200 hits a year. Nope didn't didn't work out like and i just don't know i'm not a big not like the biggest hunter renfro fan but i'm amazed that so many people in boston are ready to like boot hunter renfro out of town to bring in this guy from japan who we've never seen because they're like oh well he hit like 39 homers in japan i'm like okay well that translates to like what 22 maybe in the majors if you're lucky like i just i'm not a big suzuki fan um, I don't love the the rearranging of the outfield just to make certain pieces work. I and again, like Hunter Renfro, you got a career year out of him. I don't think that he's a long term solution, but whatever, he's gonna make what maybe eight nine million in arbitration this year. He might triple his salary. That's still not bad for a guy who hits twenty five plus homers and has a gunner for an arm out there in, in outfield so i'm okay with that i i'm not high on the suzuki guy i i just i don't want the red sox getting into that again i'm done with the rusny castillos and the sun Yu kims of the world like just go with what you know you've seen how renfro play in the majors you know that he can work in boston just stick with that i don't i don't want anything to do with this guy andrew anything yeah, I, he so he's definitely supposed to be the best hitter since Matsui that, to come over, and he is younger than most of the players that have been coming over. Most of these guys have been in their thirties. He's only twenty-seven. He's versatile. Until you know, a couple of years ago, he was a third baseman and shortstop, and then they moved him into right field. He goes more for average than he does for power, so he doesn't sell out. He says he doesn't like to strike out which is refreshing to hear in today's ball game i don't know I, the way the reason i wouldn't mind doing it is because if he's only gonna make two million dollars more than renfro and a team might be looking to buy some power if you can package renfro and a prospect to get some you know maybe a late seventh or eighth inning reliever I'm selling high because I don't think Redfro is going to do what he did again last year. And he was kind of a liability in the field at the end of the day. He, <laughs> don't let the gold glove crap <laughs> fool you. Um, he led the league in errors. And trust me, I was higher than anyone on Redfro going into the air. I thought he was awesome. He's a streak hitter. I don't know. I just think getting a little more athletic wouldn't be the worst problem to have because i think you're rolling the dice with either of those guys um wondering what you're gonna get back on do you you think that there's a team out there that would take renfro and give you like a legit seventh eighth inning arm for him in return no i think you'd have to attach another prospect to him 
uh, not like a top five, but you know, maybe if it's a 40 man roster crunch situation, uh, maybe a Jeter downs, who knows? Um, I can't go do that. Well, I mean, Renfro, you got the best deal on Renfro that you're ever going to get on him. And now he's going to be average market price last year was, I mean, that, that was amazing, quite frankly. Um, I, he's just not going to hold the same value in trade talks as you know he would have if he was still making three point one. Uh, just of note, uh, the the top Asian market player, I think he comes from Korea last season, was Hey Song Kim, and he had a terrible season. The Padres ended up signing him. The Red Sox were in on him, and I, I was a little interested to see if they might make a move on him. Batted 202, had a 270 OBP, a 73 OPS plus. So not good there. I'm trying to get how many years. Yeah, they they didn't play him a lot though. He so he never got regular playing time because he was in with Cronenworth and just that whole giant situation. But he still finished with uh, over two WAR, which is pretty impressive for only having 267 at bats. Was he the guy that ended up in Pittsburgh? No, no, no. no, no the no. Padres that's got him. Di- that's a different guy? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, he played in 117 games, so perhaps some of that was off the bench. But um, he got, I think, a four- or five-year deal. I can't seem to pull up his salaries right now on baseball reference. But, um, but that's a deal that surely the Padres are regretting right now. W- was it a major deal? No. But it's just a guy they're going to trade for probably nothing at this point and probably have to eat some salary if they want to go with their current infield. But who knows what they're going to do with Hosmer uh, anyway. Uh, but, yeah, a guy I'm still high on. The defensive metrics I looked at and you know bother me a little bit, but Nick Castellanos I think is just going to be a beast in the middle of someone's batting order. And... If it's a four-year deal, I, I wouldn't hate it if it's in Boston because we still don't have a ton of outfield depth right now. So he would almost certainly have to play left field. So, um, But, yeah. Well, we're at the 50-minute mark, so uh, I think we can uh, wrap on that. Um, I'm just going to say this. I don't think there's going to be a ton happening. I, I think they want to wait for the CBA. Yeah, I really do. I agree. I agree. Yeah, I, I think it's going to be a uh, quiet holiday season for baseball. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I, I don't know how much of the CBA we can really cram down uh, the throats of our audience. It's, you know, you figure at least half of them are more casual and don't want to be listening to the political side of baseball. But uh, ho- hopefully, uh, hopefully they throw us a bone here and we get to talk about at least one or two signings or trades before uh the current deal expires on december 1st so yeah they were saying boris clients might there might be one or two which that'd be great because the red sox always seem to be in on boris guys so yeah that'd be that'd be a fun surprise if we got some sort of news yeah absolutely all right well we'll try to come up with a, a reason in the middle of the week maybe wednesday thursday to talk about some stuff and um, we'll uh, see you then. Take care.